Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda. Learn more at agenda.com. Why would I buy that when I can do this? Having two computers in one, one that functions effectively as a desktop. You got virtual memory, so you have the swapping. You have the ability to to uh, to access uh, really large files and have applications that can access and manipulate those really large files without a problem. You know, you can have something that you can draw on at the same time that you can, uh, you know, be be watching something or typing something on your external display. It's making a much more compelling case for the iPad. I, it really used to bug me. You know, you'd see the commercials of what's a computer, you know, and they would do the, the iPad Pro uh, commercials and you'd have all these people that would sort of, you know, goof on it and say, no, no, it's it's still just a glorified iPhone. It's just a really big iPhone. Well, you're not going to be able to say that anymore. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. The iPad OS 16 beta is now a couple weeks old. And in this episode, we will be sharing our experiences with the beta so far. Brian Baggett of the Infinite Loopback Podcast was at the top of my list to hear from, as he is one of the few people I know that does have the Apple Studio display, and I was super curious to hear, what is it like using the iPad Pro with a 5K external display? So we dive into what that experience is like, and much more in this episode. A quick reminder that this episode is sponsored by Agenda. Learn more at www.agenda.com, and download it today for free in the App Store. I'll have more to share about Agenda a bit later in this episode. For now, go out and download Agenda for free in the App Store to get started. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode. With that, here's my interview with Brian. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. It's good having you back, and that's an exciting time for iPad users as yourself. In, in, indeed, it is. I am I am so over the moon about iOS 16. This is the release we've we've <laughs> we finally are getting after after so long, and yes. uh, I'm just I'm thrilled about it. So I want to have you on especially because you're one of the few people I know that has a fancy 5K external display. This is the new one from Apple of all things. Uh, there's not many 5K displays. There's the Ultra Fine. I think the Apple one, and that's I think pretty that's much pretty it much as far as the options. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons I went ahead and did this is because I had had the the 5K iMac from 2015 for the longest time, and I love that the display. There was nothing else like, and I had bought a, a 4K back in I think 2019 to try out, and I was using that with with like my Mac Mini and things like that, and it just wasn't quite the same. You didn't get the display scaling, the colors weren't as vibrant, and I just, I hated it. I used it, but I really didn't like it. So when the studio display came out, you know, as soon as the keynote was over, I was on my iPhone. I was hitting order right away. And I really haven't regretted it. Uh, I know as we're recording this, I'm using a, an external camera on it because that is the one thing that is really terrible about the studio display is that built-in camera is, is awful. So Yes. Yeah, yeah that's which, the, the uh, part of it. If you're an iPad user, I guess you can't use that camera, which... I guess that's fine, but it would be nice if they updated the firmware to let it, let them talk now that iPad and I, I would have to think that that's going to be a thing. I mean, that's you have to think that's coming at right. some point. I, it would just be silly not to, especially since they acknowledge that the the camera is such a hot mess, the studio display. But otherwise, it's it's been perfect. And now with the external display support in iOS 16, this has been like the the compelling reason for me to try out the beta. It's it's unbelievable to have that that Mac like experience, for lack of a better word. You know, being able to use the iPad Pro as an iPad, you can draw, you can do all the things you would want to do, but still be able to go and surf the web or. Use use any of your other applications 
on a 5K monitor and have it be a completely distinct separate experience is it's been mind blowing. I mean, just taking up the entire monitor and not being a mirror of your iPad anymore has been just something that is we take it for granted. It seems so simple. Like, yeah. oh, who who cares about that? But it's been a game changer. I mean, I have more memory and storage in my iPad Pro than I have in my my Mac Mini, which has like I think eight gigs of RAM. I have sixteen in the iPad Pro. I have two terabytes on the iPad Pro. It's it's opened up an entire new world. Yeah, it's kind of wild. And we'll talk about, I think, a little bit later, the rumors of the 14-inch. But it's kind of... Uh, the monitor situation has me like, do I... Um, when do I upgrade this 12.9 XDR? And uh, when do I instead just invest in a better display um, <laughs> to enjoy with my iPad? Because I, I have some just kind of older displays that aren't that great, but um, yeah, I don't know. They both it's have their pros. Question. They have their pros and cons to both of those. I mean, I still love the screen on the iPad for watching television and movies. I mean, it's still really the <laughs> best experience. Like when you're watching uh, the Justice League on HBO Max, it's in 4 by 3 It's 4 by 3 It's black and white, which makes it yes. amazing on an XDR. Just like. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And the quality on the 5K is great, but I think, at least for the time being, using the iPad's display is going to be my, my go-to. I find myself really appreciating it when I want to have more productivity. So if I want to have something that takes up the entire screen, I'm thinking of, you know, if I edit videos in LumaFusion or, you know, I want to I want to do something that's going to take advantage of that real estate, having that wider screen is going to be uh, a huge benefit. You know, the other day on Twitter, I noticed that you were using uh, Stage Manager and you had... You know, you had the, uh, I think, four applications in sort of a ribbon-like configuration. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, it's like, I've got to try that on the studio display. That's going to be amazing, you know, because I'm going to have so much more real estate to do right. that with. Even in a horizontal configuration, too. I think you had tried that as well. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be such a game changer. And as great as it is on the smaller iPad, on that studio display is where it really shines, I, I have to say. Now, answer me this. On the studio display, it's 5K. Does that mean I could have... In the smallest window size as a square possible, could I have a four quadrant setup without any overlap? Does it uh, does that work, or do you still need overlap to in I the windows? The, so when you're speaking of the the four quadrants without any overlap, do you mean the I want four size square the... windows, not not the vertical slabs, but four I squares, gotcha, yes. one, basically one in each corner. And kind of like taking up the screen that way. Is that, is that a you setup know, actually, you can do? I actually haven't tried that. And I, I'm surprised that I haven't. I still am in that paradigm of using it like I would on the iPad, except slightly larger. I am going to try that, though, okay. to uh, to see what that's like. I don't know that I would use it in that configuration, but that's that's interesting. I, I guess, I mean, I sometimes do that on my Mac, so I got to try that out. Yeah, because, yeah, there's a lot of, it, it's fun playing with like Windows setups and the different mm -hmm. options. Like, uh, one thing I just loved was editing with Fairlight just on the iPad was half screen mode where, you know, Fairlight, it's all about just width and you don't need much height with the two person recording. And mm -hmm. then as you're listening, you can have Twitter open on the top half and be scrolling without losing Fairlight. And when you yep. need to make an edit, Ferrite's still the active app for your keyboard, and you can do all the things you need to. So there's a lot of just new ways of working that are accomplished with Stage Manager just on the iPad itself without externals. And I haven't used a lot of uh, keyboard shortcuts or anything like that. Anytime I've interacted with it, it's been through the through the uh, mouse. So that's another thing that I need to sort of play with. I, I think I was noticing uh, some tweets from Christopher Lawley talking about, I think some of the keyboard shortcuts weren't exactly working. Yeah, there's not really manager, any like. setup yet. So hopefully the betas do change that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I really find interesting about this too, is that yeah, I, I know a number of people, I'm sure you do too, who talk about wanting to bring 
Mac OS to the iPad, which I've always thought was sort of a horrible idea. I, I don't want a touchscreen Mac. I would rather have something that's more iPad-like. Yeah. So the introduction of Stage Manager and having that on the Mac as well as the iPad is just, I think that's great because you're still getting sort of the parody of this new feature, but you're not having to do things in what would be traditionally a Mac-like way. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the way that they've tackled this, it's I think it's much better than the multitasking that we got, I mean, the multi-windowing that we got last year. I always found it a little bit confusing and i could use it but i just didn't find myself intuitively using it like i was all i was mostly just using drag and drop to set up my instances still with yeah it was helpful for discoverability and also um touchscreen only uses where you could get to every app with just touch now that was a big win last year and that uh new three dot thing is especially useful with stage manager as uh, very logical moving windows to the other screen things like that yeah but it's it's nice that i'm going to learn how to do something on the ipad and then that is automatically going to translate over to being able to do it on the mac as well so once you've got it mastered on one device you've got it mastered on both yeah yeah exactly and it was interesting hearing the interviews from apple's uh vp um, staff about this uh, that like there were two teams kind of working on the same problem and kind of met in the middle with Stage Manager. It's kind of interesting that, that they were looking at something that was like this for the Mac and I guess there was like a prototype found from like the early 2000s of something very similar that Apple <laughs> worked up and we finally have it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be brilliant. And again, I'm one of those people that love it when you have something that you can do on any device and it works the exact same way. Yeah. I love being able to have a workflow that translates to either one because sometimes there are things I want to do on my Mac, like, you know, podcast, or there are things that I want to do, like, you know, play with the videos in LumaFusion, for example, and being able to do those on both devices, having apps that are, that are uh, catalyst uh, based where, or Swift UI based where they can run on either is also a great thing. Like when last we talked, I think uh, I had just gotten the, um, the M1 iPad pro. Yeah. And a lot of the things, I, I don't think I had the, um, the uh, M1 Mac mini at that time, but being able to open up the apps that were normally iPad OS apps on my M1 Mac mini has been sort of a change, a game changer as well, because, you know, I'll sit there and read things like uh, Apollo for Reddit or, yeah, I, that's the biggest one that comes to mind. Or having LumaFusion work on both was a big deal, but now that's not even as important because I'll be doing most of my editing on my iPad Pro yeah. hooked directly to <laughs> to the uh, to the studio display. So I'm really really excited about that. Uh, you know, it, it also sort of screams that larger iPads are coming. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've heard those rumors that there's a 14-inch or, or greater coming. And what are your thoughts on that? Are, I'm excited I mean, for obviously... It. I, want, I want a desktop, like, 27-inch iPad one day. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, you know, I'm of two minds on that because there are times when I'm using the iPad just as an iPad that that 12.9 is kind of heavy. If I'm laying in bed trying to read a book and struggling not to drop the thing on my face... Uh, you know, if I'm reading something, it gets a little. The larger know, little it gets, the way. more incentive you have to buy a smaller iPad to go along with it. <laughs> Which is exactly what I've done. I've got an iPad Air fifth generation that you know hopefully will be here within the next uh, two to three weeks, and that was going to be the one that I played with the betas on. Yeah, and, you know, because I, I didn't want to use my my primary for that, but it got the better of me, and you know, within a couple hours of it being released, it was on my uh, my primary iPad. But I see a lot of people that are upset that some of these features, like Stage Manager, only coming to the M1 iPads, which basically limits it to the iPad Air fifth generation or the uh, the latest iPad Pro, both 11 and, and 12.9. Yeah. But I don't think that it's some sort of marketing thing. I don't think they're just trying to push M1 iPads. I think if they could they could put this and have it work the way that they expect, 
they would put it on all of them because they're really only limiting it to two models of iPad. Yeah, it's crazy. Currently. It's kind of it's kind of wild the A12Z didn't make the cut even. It'd be weird if like only the higher storage capacity model of A12Z can do it, uh, which had more RAM. But uh, I, yeah, it, yeah, it makes the it makes sense with just doing it with M1 Link. And then you then you would have to explain, oh, if you only have one terabyte or whatever, you know, you can't do this. Or yeah, it's it's crazy. But uh, the virtual memory, of course, is what's making all of this possible, and that. I, yeah, because basically in, an individual app can now have 16 gigabytes of RAM all by itself, thanks to that. Did you ever think you would see the day that would be something you could do on an iPad? It's kind of wild, because I, I, you have 32 gigs with the higher-end capacities now. And uh, yeah, I'm so curious about uh, the M2, if we'll have a configuration for RAM now, or if they'll do the thing they did this gen of linking it to storage, and we get 24 gigabytes of RAM if you get the two terabyte model, 16 for one terabyte, and eight for the uh, other capacity. I wonder how they'll do it. It's curious. You know, I think you're onto something there. I think that's exactly how it's going to be when they introduce the M2. Because if you think about what they did with the M1, didn't the M1s max out at like 16 or something? Yeah, 16. If you get one or two, you get 16 gigabytes of RAM. So I'm curious, but they're, now that they're talking about RAM, a virtual memory and they're talking about RAM more and more. I wonder if it'll actually be a custom config like Max. I don't know if that will eventually come to iPad. Uh, I'm going to predict in the in the near term we're probably not going to see that. And But I do think you're going to be able to do more with 8 gig on an iPad than you would 8 gig on a Mac Mini. Like, well, I'm one using... thing. One thing. Great. I, I don't think we're ever seeing that little uh, dialogue box I've seen on the M1 MacBook Air in our house uh, all too often, and sadly seeing this all too often, it's rather frustrating for tech support. Uh, too much memory is being taken. Uh, you gotta close stuff. It's like, come I was on, just Apple. About to, yeah. I was just about to say that on this 8 gig Mac Mini that I'm recording this on, I get the uh, I'm using some third party app I, I can't remember which, and I get the Memory full. Would you like to, to free up some some RAM? I get that all the time, and I hate it. I don't see us having that problem on the iPad. I think partially because we're not allowed to run things in the background as a service like we do right. on Mac. So, you know, I have Creative Cloud and a ton of other things open that I'm not going to do on a on an iPad. So, I think even with eight gigs, you could probably get a lot more mileage on a uh, on a mobile first OS. I'm, yeah. at least that's that's what I'm hoping, but. I'm just wanting to see something like Premiere or one of those actually show up on the iPad and be able to use it just like I have on the desktop, you know, be able to access all of that memory. I'm just now we're actually going to get some desktop, you know, enterprise class apps. And And Luma Fusion already has done their update that addresses (laughs) extra RAM, I believe, um, which is why it won't automatically force close and export in the background if you leave the app. I don't think you can leave it there in the background for an hour to export, but for a quick hot second or minute or whatever to go check something and come back to it. It'll be fine now. Just and nice. I think that's going to, that's going to ch- radically change how we're used to interfacing with iPad OS apps. You know, the, the whole memory where you can't really force quit an app like you can on the Mac, uh, you know, it goes into that frozen state. I guess we're not necessarily going to see that anymore. I'm really, you know, there, there's not a lot of info on how that exactly is going to work because we don't really have any apps as a, as a proof of concept that are out there yet that can really push this. I guess we won't until iOS 16, you know, formally. Yeah, and I'm curious if virtual memory, does it just work out of the box or do apps need, I don't think apps need to do anything. I think the OS just handles that stuff, right? I would guess that the OS would just handle it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of those things you wouldn't want the, the developer no. to have to do anything special. <laughs> Definitely not. And there would be such a high barrier to entry for most people to, for most developers, it wouldn't be worth their time. I think, yeah. To have to go through. Yeah, because we I'm have very few that. apps that take advantage of additional RAM. Like LumaFusion's, I think, Maybe uh, when the drawing apps Procreate probably does this too for more layers, but very few apps take advantage of the RAM uh, currently. 
Um, and I just want to go back to external displays. Um, have you done much comparison 5K versus 4K and how much more usable screen space or window stuff you can see on the studio versus the 4K? I've done a couple of preliminary tests just to try it out and basically the same sort of issue that I had with the Mac on 4K is what I have with the iPad on, where things are scaled, but it's it's much tinier by default because you're not getting that default resolution like you would get, you know, hooking into a into a 5K monitor. If I if I had unlimited funds, I would go get the LG one and I would do a test on the LG, the studio monitor, and my old 4K I mean, sitting next to me. I would love a Pro Display XDR to really get a 6K yeah, that's, display. Yeah, that's, oh yes, that's, I couldn't even afford the wheels on that one right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the uh, as I expected, it's not as good on the 4K as it is on the 5K just because of the native resolution scaling that you get. So, um, diving into that a bit. So, on the 4K, you're able to see just as much, just things are smaller to yes. visualize. Is it, that right? Yeah, it's like hooking in your Mac to a 4K monitor, right? It still works just fine, but you know, as my eyes get older, I'm sitting there squinting because it's, it's not at the, uh, you know, it's either really small or really large. Even when you, you sort of do the display scaling, it's not quite the same as having it on the 5K. Okay. And like, have you, uh, for the options on the 5K, there's like the more space and the, the there are the display scaling options. Are you in the most extreme one or what kind of setting are you on there? No, I, I normally I just keep it in the, the default one. I've tried the more and used it because if you do that on the the studio display, it's kind of like when you hook it into a 4K, right? You get more, you you can see more, but it's the smaller text. Yeah. On the iPad itself, it actually really shines when you do that because again, you can get more space. You have a higher a higher uh, what do you call it? Uh, pixel density on the iPad Pro versus the studio monitor, so it actually right. doesn't look as bad. It looks actually better on the iPad than it does on the studio display. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I. I, I... I'd, I'd be curious to try that that more space app, but yeah, it might be too small with uh, how they how they handle it there. Um, on the iPad, yeah, it's great. Someone did the math. I guess the twelve point nine is now a roughly fifteen inch iPad. Uh, by Isn't the old that man. cool that you you actually get a bigger monitor through a software update it's, on the iPad it's Pro? Awesome. It's it's pretty neat as to as to how that works. And it, it makes a actually it makes a difference in like. Um, I'm not sure if you ever Apple Podcasts. Do you do much with the Connect website? Now, normally, whenever I've interfaced with that, I've usually done it from the Mac. I okay. haven't tried it on the on the iPad Pro because I'm on it so seldom when I actually do anything. Yeah. Right. So. so previously, if you were in any kind of split screen, two thirds on a even two thirds split screen on the 12.9, uh, they would when you're uploading an episode, it'd have the episodes and the show, and there would be an episodes tab because it truncates too much. And you couldn't even click on it. It, it, it. You need to go entirely full screen to even get to the area of the website to upload. Now, with the more resolution, it's just not an issue. You can be in much smaller size classes, you know, which works. So, and you have like sidebars that you don't need to scroll down like nearly as far. It's it's so noticeable. Like it's kind of crazy. See, I'm gonna have to try that now because uh, I definitely wanna. I definitely wanna see that. Most of the time when I'm doing uh, web-based stuff, if I'm on the iPad, again, it would be in a situation like that where there's not some corresponding app that I could use in its place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is also weird that they've they've never released an app and they make you still go through the website for that stuff. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but it is kind of – it's so weird. It's, I'm still getting used to the fact that I can have you on my iPad with the full screen uh, FaceTime call and on my external – I've got a bunch of notes and different windows. It feels like two machines in one almost. It's kind of wild. It really, it really does. I think uh, when you and I were talking uh, last week on Twitter when it first came out, and that sort of inspired me to go ahead and try it on the on the iPad Pro, 
just being able to sit there and I can still doodle with the Apple Pencil. I can still, you know, treat them as two independent computers, which I had sort of been doing that with universal control. So if I was yeah. sitting here using the Mac, you know, keeping the iPad on the tray beside me, I could just drag the mouse over and take control of it that way. But this is a completely even better experience because, again, having a, a machine with so much more RAM in the iPad Pro, being able to sit there and surf independently, it just it felt, it felt wrong, but <laughs> in <laughs> such a right way, right? I mean, I'm getting to to use Safari and have as many tabs open as I want while still doing other things, you know, with a magic keyboard over here. It's, it just, it's, I can't believe it's taken this long to do this. Right. I mean, this is, it's, I don't know. I feel like I'm gushing over this, but it's going to be such a game changer for how I use this. Cause I'd been considering getting upgrading the Mac. So I had something with more memory, but it's like, well, now do I really need to do that? If I have 16 gigs in the iPad pro, whenever I'm in front of the the monitor, I could just plug into the iPad then and, and not have to use the Mac at all. So you have a 4k and a 5k. Is only mm-hmm. the 5K plugged in now? Is that kind of the new? Yeah, I mean, that's normally by default. So there, with the number of inputs they have on the back, I suppose I could I could try to. Well, well I was wondering if you but... have ever tried having the Mac plugged into like a 4K or 5K and an iPad plugged into 4K or 5K using, using universal control across the four monitors. That I could be fun. Try... That could I be should fun. try that. Yeah. That would be uh, a neat thing to try, I guess. Turn the PC off completely and <laughs> just, uh, just use the Mac Mini on that one. Yeah. So what so what are the new features that you have uh, you've played with that you've been the most impressed with? Obviously stage manager is going to be uh is going to be probably one of the better ones, but have you tried any of the others yet? Uh well, during the opening of this call, we tried the live captions things and I was super impressed with the accuracy of it. I think that's going to be super helpful for a lot of people. Um I I'm not sure how often I'll use it, but it seems really cool and awesome. Um and pretty useful, I think. I, I, I want to touch on one more thing with the windows. Um, sure, sure. Picture in picture and quick notes are kind of these like special class of windows I noticed the other day because overlapping windows, picture in picture has this unique, um, and quick notes as well, the unique flag where it's always a frontmost window, which I grew to appreciate uh, the value of that versus just having a, a video playing in a standard window. It's actually super useful to use picture in picture still, even with, resizing windows so i just thought that was interesting I, I wish i had done that on the i wish i had a spare mac that i could play with the the betas on to do that as well because that's one of the the advantages of being on the ipad pro is whenever i'm watching something in a minimized state you know it's always there it's always you know nothing ever gets in front of it it's it's the way it needs to be and seeing that work with stage manager i noticed that you had tweeted that the other day of being able to watch something no matter what you're doing it's still that little persistent window down there which again is is kind of nice I haven't tried it. I know you and I had talked about FaceTime and using FaceTime on the studio display. Yeah. It still uses the camera on the iPad. So I couldn't really test to see if that was something that would be the, the same way. Right. But that that would be a, a neat thing to test out, I guess. To uh, But again, I couldn't initiate it from the from the uh, studio display. So I guess it's kind of a moot point. But having those where they're in the, in the foreground is kind of neat. I don't find myself using Quick Note as much as I thought I would. But picture in picture, all the time. Yeah. So. The same. I use Quick Note occasionally and... Yeah, it's kind of weird. Last year we thought, oh, maybe they'll do a quick note for everybody, but <laughs> they had different plans. Yeah. Um, the deleting messages and having like a recently deleted messages thing is just super nice as a thing. Um, I have not been one to accidentally delete messages, but I've been to tech support and having to tell people that they're gone. Um <laughs> Unless you want to restore your phone and probably still not get them back. Uh, yeah. Well, it makes sense, too. Like, you can do that with photos, so... Yeah. And uh, something... Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the thing in photos, and that's 
nice there as well. Um, something that um, I think I'm going to start to use quite a bit is the shortcut for extracting background or extracting the the subject of a photo, which is just really cool. That was one of the first things I played with when I installed iPad OS 16. You know, I would go and I, I think, you know, my wife obviously is not running any of the betas, but while she was at work, I could go in and pull out pictures of us and then stick them in a text message. And she would get them on her phone as if I had done the whole, you know, meticulously cut them all out. Yeah. It is you know, Apple doesn't get a lot of credit when it comes to things like machine learning and uh, AI. I know that the, with what we've had experiences with when it comes to things like Siri is that they sort of get sort of rightfully dinged that, hey, it's not as good as, you know, the, their competitors. But this is something where they have done a pretty phenomenal job. I mean, if you notice when you, you pull things out, even fine textures like hair and whatnot, it does a really good job of pulling those things over. So it's uh, that's something that has made me very happy. Just touch a subject, drag it over, and it absolutely works every yeah. single time. That's it, it's it's neat. And for somebody like me who uses Telegram a lot, you know, used to if you wanted to make your own custom stickers, that was sort of a problem. You had to go through and you know do the, the tricks in Photoshop for removing a subject. Now you can just take a picture, drag it over to the window, <laughs> boom, instant sticker. So I love that. But you know, one of the things that I'm excited about that's also sort of silly is the weather app. So I was a big dark sky fan, okay. still am. Yeah, and it, it's it saved me lots of times when it's hey, rain is about to start, you know, and and very soon you better you know do whatever you have to do. I set that up on the iPad. The notifications work the exact same as they do in Dark Sky today, so I can finally ditch that off my uh, my phone when that finally ships. And I love that so much. And it had been such a niche app for, for those of us that used it. Now that it's coming to the general populace on the Mac, on iPad, on iPhone, it's going to be a, uh, a really big deal. And I, I, I don't normally get excited over weather apps, but you know I think I can finally let Carrot Weather go because this is what I was waiting for ever since Apple acquired Dark Sky. I don't know if you've set it up yet, but it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I love the notifications, um, like rain stopping in five minutes. It's, it's like, this yes. is nice, yeah. But yet, yeah, the complications from Carrot are just so great. And the watch, that's, that's the thing that will probably have me stick around longer than uh, usual because they're just so good and so customizable. They are- yeah. But I've got so many software as a service subscriptions right now that it's it's killing me. I have yeah. to let something go, and that may be the one thing that I let go. Yeah. And it's not a slamming, it's Carrot. I've loved Carrot. It's actually a great app. But the big selling point for me was I could use it on the iPad, and now I don't need that so right. much anymore. Um, have you done much playback of audio through the Apple Studio when you're hooked up to stuff? Does that... It sounds just as good as you- yeah. I mean, it sounds just as good as a Mac. You wouldn't know that you don't have a Mac attached at the at the time, so that's been pretty good. Yeah, and then I guess for volume control, you just either yeah, on the external keyboard or you attach the iPad uh, for that, right? Most of the time, when I've I've played with it on the Studio Display, I still have the Magic Keyboard on there. So doing any of the the sort of keyboard things that you would do for volume, it's it still works the exact same way. Yeah, which is nice because that's the way you would expect it to work if you were using a Mac, right? But and, I do have my my Bluetooth keyboard that does the um, you know can do multiple devices at once, which is something the the Apple standard keyboard cannot. The, nope. the one for so you know being able to flip back and forth with a button press, and though they honor the same buttons that the the Apple keyboard does, so it has yeah. like a, a brightness one or a. You get the picture. Does the brightest one control the studio display or just the iPad's main screen? I want to say that it did both. Gosh, that was a week ago. Yeah. I should have. Because I'm testing it now with, uh, and when I press it, it changes my iPad screen, but I have the third party monitor, so of course it doesn't do anything there. Um, But yeah, I'd be curious if it actually affects that. 
Um, I will follow up and find out. I'm, okay. I'm, I'd, yeah. be sur- I'd be really surprised if it didn't, you know, if not now before the, the final version ships, I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case, particularly with Apple's own hardware. You would expect, you would expect yeah. If, if it could control anything, it would do that. Yeah. And something that I, I, I've talked about before, um, I did a iPad ponderings kind of Patreon thing. And uh, something that I talked about there um, is the fact that uh, PS Remote Play, it's a fully split screen support app which also means when you put it on the external it takes up the full 16 by 9 and playing ps5 uh, through the ipad on external that's a really cool experience and uh, it's kind of nice having like a you know game guide or whatever on the right if you need to like here's a farming guide for these different resources mm-hmm. and dark souls here's you know different places to go for that and on then you have the game on the other screen that's wonderful to do yeah that. and yeah. i need to i need to try that with the uh the xbox cloud gaming app as well one of the things is, that um, i really need- is xbox is it uh do you do that through, through safari for the cloud gaming you or- still have to you still have to do okay it through that's safari what, i just want to check on that yeah however even in ios 15 that works amazingly well so you know when i i'm i have some health issues and i have to do dialysis and one of the things to kill the time when i'm there has been you know i play halo or something like that yeah. while i'm sitting there and even for something that's over, you know, a third-party Wi-Fi where it's not always that great, uh, it works really, really well for something that's in the browser. Uh, one of the things that I think I'm going to do here just for grins and giggles is hook up a um, USB-C to Ethernet, mm. see if I can get that going, and then uh, do this as well, probably through my OWC uh, hub, you know, be able to also share the display and still, you know, uh, an Ethernet. Uh, yeah, the, Ethernet, uh, the Thunderbolt hub yeah. I have has the Ethernet. I think you have the same one I do, maybe. Or Yeah, so that'll that'll be a, a neat thing to see, though. Honestly, most of the time I, I haven't, uh, you know, in the room that I'm recording now, I, I'm just behind the PC over here. I have a Ubiquiti access point, so yeah. I, I still do 5 gigahertz just fine does, in, the, in the same room. Does cloud gaming support Rumble yet? Is that a thing they've figured out? That is a great question. Uh, I don't recall the the controller doing any sort of shaking when I'm I'm playing things, but I okay. get so into it that <laughs> I haven't noticed. If I do, if I fire up the PS one, I should I should try that and see if it actually does it. Most of the time when I'm doing the gaming, I know it supports either controller, and you know, as of iOS 16, it'll also support the Switch controller, which is going to be kind of a, a cool thing as well. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, I'm still using my Xbox controller just so I don't have to, you know, pair multiple controllers to the, right. to the device. I really need to do more with the the PS one. I know in the past when I had done it on my 5K iMac over Ethernet, it worked really, really well. But again, that wasn't a dedicated app that I was using, so uh, I need to I need to try that. I have so many games that I've purchased for the PS5 <laughs> that I just haven't gotten around to yet. That, so there's uh, a lot of players really right now. Fire that up. It's a lot of right now. Well, you know, it's a uh, it's a it's a terrible first world problem to have, but having you know the Xbox, the Switch. And the PS5, I'm constantly switching between them, depending on what I'm in the mood to play. But I have such a so many choices that sometimes it's overwhelming, and you get you get stuck in one game, and you just want to play that for a while, yeah. and you neglect the others. So, so um, Windows setups. Any, what what are your favorite ways to work now that you can work this way, as far as window configurations and app combos and things like that? Most of the time, when I'm doing something like if I'm trying out Stage Manager, what I like to do is the apps that I use the most often are Telegram, Twitter, and Safari. Yeah. So being able to browse the web, uh, keep up with what's going on in the news, and chat with my friends. Uh, I should open up Discord because I do have a few groups that I, I keep in touch with through that as well. 
Um, most of the time, though, those are probably my three most used apps, and those are the ones that I'm primarily using in, mm -hmm. in Stage Manager now, just on a day-to-day, day-to-day sort of just having fun and, and doing what I would normally. I need to get back to using Ferrite more for uh, podcast editing, but I'm also using this tool right now that is not available on the iPad. That's only available on, really, the Mac or Windows, which is called Descript when I'm doing my podcast mm -hmm. editing, where it's it's a phenomenal tool. I really wish they would get something for the iPad for it, um, but that's probably one of those, those more Mac sort of focus things what's that I uh, what's the tool do well it takes your entire podcast and it puts it in a transcript format but then all of your oh that's is, right is yeah is done in audio so yeah you know as an aside i know probably the folks listening to this probably couldn't care less but when i'm editing my own podcast i see all of the crutch words that me and my co-host use can you do a so, find and just delete all yes. ums and find and yes delete you can all. remove okay. ums us uh, in mass you only go by one one by one you just like Correct. find all and delete now it's not always perfect right. you know sometimes you get sort of a jump cut in between it gets you a rough starting point to work from yes I and mean, sometimes you'll leave them in because it sounds better you can even this is the coolest part you can uh read a library of words and create an ai version of your voice so if you need to generate you know <laughs> sort of like they did on the mandalorian with luke skywalker you could actually go in oh, and gosh. record you can generate yourself talking without ever having said a word it is it's it's a pricey little tool but my goodness is it fun to use I have to I have on one occasion at least lost my side of audio and had to like reenact me asking questions before. That is one of the most hard things to do. Um it's not the same. Let, let me ask you, was it because on your external device or it's because of the SD recording you had maybe a bad SD card or something no, or what happened? I forget what the situation was. I think I don't know. It might have been a bad cable or something. Uh, I That's always my fear with external devices that are using SD cards to record things. As as someone who is recording things, I've only lost one. I I have lost a single. It was not a super mission critical thing, but I did lose something, and it's like the SD card went bad. It's a five year old SD card, but overall, I feel that external hardware is more reliable than software, which can oh, crash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I take that. Uh, that over yeah um. <laughs> but yeah you would you would love this thing man it's it can yeah, generate an entire uh podcast from scratch it seems like that could run as a web app at some point they do have a web interface and i've tried to use that on the ipad but when it came to doing certain things it was just like you must you know this is not supported on this device yeah so i ended up uh i ended up using it mostly through uh, uh through the mac but that is something that if the moment that thing ever gets an ipad app i am all over that because that that would change the way that i podcast completely and, and edit completely i love using ferrite is it uh is it non-destructive like could you export that file into ferrite to do your final editing or does it yeah yeah you can generate an uncompressed WAV file or AIFF or whatever and bring in there and you could do you when could you do, do the cuts could you bring another tool and drag out the audio and that's still there or is it gone once it makes the cut uh, I believe you can just export I believe when you export it it has all of the cuts in there so you can still go in and fine tune it right so you could take yeah. it in a third party editor which I use a, a thing either I use Ferrite which Ferrite has some really great features that Descript doesn't have like you know uh, syncing up the audio and removing the, the dead space in between yep. and uh, some of the noise suppression is top notch in Ferrite so I'm usually not able to use just one program for everything i'm sort of a perfectionist <laughs> yeah so i'll i'll edit the raw audio either on ferrite or hindenburg on the mac and then use descript to really clean everything up yeah but uh you know i really wish that's still one of my gripes i think we talked about this the last time i was on the show is that i really wish the developer of ferrite would uh would 
put some more things into uh, you know the, the sort of the plugin space or allow it to run as a uh, as a third party app. I mean, as a catalyst app on the Mac would be a great thing too. Uh, He's looking into that. I think he wants to do it well, right, though. Well, now that we have the external display support, I, it won't really matter because I can just hook my iPad into the studio display. I get that much wider landscape to work with, yeah. and you know, I can just do that all day long. Yeah, it's it's funny. for At least for like two-person episodes, the iPad screen seems perfect for editing a podcast because I, I really don't need like a 27-inch width for <laughs> my, my podcast. I don't know what it is about. And, and it's nice to be able to touch it every now and then and do stuff that way as well. If I wasn't such an OCD weirdo, I probably wouldn't need it either. But a lot of times on my show, I get either three or four people, and that's when it starts to become... Yeah, weird. I can see that being a thing. That's when you when want to flip the iPad is, vertically and sometimes edit that way, which is yes. sometimes good. Yeah. Yes, but I'm, I'm so meticulous about trying to get rid of ums and uhs and dead space. And yeah. I, it's, I really shouldn't do that because no one cares, right? I mean, it's not that big of a deal, but I, I have always been that way in, in almost everything that I do. I have to obsess over it. So, How do you have your iPad set up with your monitor? Is it kind of on the desk like on a stand or like what's yes what's i will the... i will show you actually so excuse me for the noise christopher lawley in one of his videos last year i think had recommended this stand so and... uh, for those that um, you won't be able to see this it, it kind of reminds me of like a lecture stand but for a desk where um you you, you know you're up at church wherever the guy's got his little stand with his notes Kind of like a music yes. stand, like a music stand yes. almost. But. A lot like a music stand, yeah. an adjustable uh, piston. I can. Uh, it's a Lamical, I believe, is the is the brand name, and it sits about yay high, which is once you have the Magic Keyboard and a twelve point nine. So I sit it off to the side of my studio display, and whenever I have that plugged in, um, even if you have the Magic Keyboard attached, as I do most of the time, you can still use a third party keyboard to go along with that. So the yeah. Mac keyboard that I'm using right now, I just hit a button and I am good to go. And of course, I leave that in uh, set to be permanently unlocked so that I don't have to constantly deal with, you know, the the face ID. And of course, being that far away from me, I always have to lean in if I'm going to uh, if I'm going to unlock it. So it just makes it very, very easy to do. Even if I'm not doing something where I'm using it directly hooked, if I'm just using universal control, even it's still great to use in that that configuration because I can still have my own uh, stage manager set up for things like, you know, Telegram, Twitter, Discord, Slack, whatever. Yeah. And and still do my main workflow on my computer over here. But I think going forward, I'm actually going to be using the iPad Pro still sitting in that same configuration hooked up to the monitor and still use it in sort of a, I guess it's not really universal control when it's, you know, just an extended display. But mm-hmm. I'm still going to use it in that same configuration. Nothing will change for me in the way that I use it. This episode of Epic Bros is sponsored by Agenda. In this quick break, I want to share some of the alternative input options that I really love in Agenda. The plus button at the bottom of each Agenda note offers so many unique ways to add to your Agenda note. Here you have access to three different camera input modes. One for a straight photo or video, another for document scanning, and there's also another one to use your camera for live text and being able to capture that right within an Agenda note. It's pretty incredible having access to all these different camera inputs in a single place. You can also import photos into an agenda note right within this plus pop-up. And with iPadOS 16, the selection box is even better with a more photos app like UI within agenda, making it super easy to find whatever photos you want. 
Inserting attachments and agenda for iPadOS 16 is equally awesome, with it feeling like the full Files app right there within Agenda, making it easy to find any file on your iPad or any of your cloud storage providers. And if you are an Apple Pencil user, you can annotate any photo you capture with the Pencil using the full suite of the Pencil Kit tools. You can also do a full-out sketch in your Agenda Note, and now with Agenda 14, you can change the background to include two different grids or two different line widths. And as someone that needs a bit of guidance, these backgrounds have been super helpful sketching in different Agenda Notes. Agenda also takes advantage of the share sheet in an awesome way, letting you anywhere in the system add to an existing note or create a new note. It provides one of the best experiences I've seen with the share sheet by giving you a mini version of Agenda in the share sheet. You can type whatever you want into your note and with a simple click add a link to the page you are, say, in Safari. The linking works outside of web browsers, but in apps like Apple TV and other apps that have hyperlinks. So if you're trying to remember a TV show you want to watch, you can just add that to Agenda and that link will take you right to the spot in the Apple TV app to get started watching it. Agenda 14 already performs phenomenally in iPad OS 16. The app feels right at home in the new stage manager with it fully supporting all of the different size classes now possible on the iPad with external displays. And with the new more space setting in the settings app, that sidebar and agenda shows so much more content. The app really does feel right at home on iPad OS 16, whether you're working on the iPad in the traditional mode or in the new overlapping Windows mode. Agenda is free for everyone to use, and their free version is awesome, and it doesn't bug you to pay for the premium version. It really is a great experience if all you want is the free app. If you do decide you want those extra premium features, which are great and I can't imagine living without, their pricing model is great. When you upgrade to get premium agenda features, you aren't signing up for a yearly subscription plan. You get to keep every premium feature that is released in the next 12 months, and only if agenda delivers new premium features you think are worth paying for, do you have to pay again. The developers are constantly working on making you happy as a premium customer to earn your business again and again. If you do decide you want a simple subscription so you don't need to remember to sign up for premium next year, there is also now that option that gives you a discount over the standard premium upgrade price. And just like buying premium, you get to keep all of the features of the premium version if you decide to cancel that subscription. To learn more, go to Agenda.com and download Agenda today for free from the App Store. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Do you find yourself using just a single stage versus multiple stages within Stage Manager? Right now, with what I'm doing on an, on an average day with a computer, I find myself uh, just using a single stage, right? I don't really need, uh, you know, having four sets of, of, of apps, as it were. Yeah. As things change for me, as I you know, eventually uh, I have some surgery that I'm supposed to do sometime this year and then I should return to work next year, uh, I'll be able to, I could see a situation where I have, you know, a work stage and a personal stage set up where I'm able to do, you know, uh, have my Outlook or have uh, any of the other tools that I'm on a, on a daily basis uh, prompt or some of those and one stage and then stuff that I just sort of, you know, piddle with on my free time and another stage. But right now, just a single stage has been <laughs> has, has been good enough for me. Yeah, and do you find yourself at night when like you're more tired, 
let's just turn off stage manager and do the old school way. Yeah, in in those types of situations, and I also need to, you know, shame on me for not using focus modes more too, of being able to have like a day focus and a night focus. I find myself not needing even those number of apps. You know, sometimes you, uh, especially more so at night, I use it more for consumption, I would say, in those times. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to catch up with whatever TV show that I, I haven't seen or, you know, listen to a, a podcast and have the capability of FaceTiming my wife while I'm making dinner or something like that. But, yeah, it's for those different use cases, I, I don't see myself using it uh, as much. You know, I don't really think I'm going to need Stage Manager all that often when I'm just using the iPad as an iPad. Yeah. Uh, it's only, and I'm glad that it's something you can toggle in Control Center, so you're not having to do this all the time, but really in those times when you need to be more productive. So I like the fact that it's not foisted upon you and you have to use it all the time. Right. It, it's only in situations where you need the extra It makes it that much more mod- modular as a computer. Um, you can switch different modes from tablet yeah, mode I mean, to, to, to um, old <laughs> tablet mode to old school <laughs> multitasking mode to windowed and, mode. And this is, this is something that I think is lost on a lot of people, and I really hope that once this is released, people will see the utility in this because, again, I still get into this discussion with my friends a lot of times. They're kind of like, oh, I would rather just use a MacBook Air if I'm going to surf on the couch. And, and that, that, that's like needles across, nails across a, a chalkboard for me because why would you do that if you didn't have to? Why would you yeah, not just it. use something that was made for consumption? And then if you need the extra, the extra uh, features that you would need on a laptop, you can enable them and use them. But for most of the time, if you're using it as a consumption device, I just can't picture using a full-blown laptop for something like that. It just it makes no sense to me. Yeah. So... <sighs> I guess you probably would not have tried this, but the studio display has an accelerometer. I'm curious. I'm curious if you put it in vertical mode, if the iPad would recognize that or not. Now that I have not done, simply because um, there's pro- you, don't really have, you don't have a base amount for it. I'm guessing. No, I, I didn't. Well, again, if if Apple was an Apple, I would have I would have gone that route. I would have had the height adjustable. Well, that's just uh, up stand. and down. The height adjustable does not rotate on the studio display. Ah, well, I don't have the Visa mount. Yeah, so that's I the only this, model that I think one. would be uh, a good way to do that with. Yeah, I mean, I could turn it on its side. <laughs> <laughs> you have your, you but, have a uh, small child hold it for you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I at least consoled myself for not doing the the multiple height adjustment, at least because I went and got the uh, twelve South stand. Yeah. So I have like the the Mac Mini directly underneath it, and my Stream Deck uh, immediately underneath that. But I would have really, I would have gone all out if I could. I hear that the... stand is just, it's wonderful, but man, it's, it I, is it's expensive. High. But I, I think it was like uh, it's four hundred bucks. No, no, no. Oh, oh well, um, yeah, the Apple one. Sorry, sorry, yeah, not yeah. the twelve South one. But yeah, the Apple one, I could not. Uh, I really I couldn't bring myself to do yeah. it. I would have gotten the anti glare coating before I would have gotten the the uh the stand or whatever right yeah though the the visa mountability would have been nice just to have the uh the stand on an arm sort of like my my microphone is where you know you could you could make it whatever height right. whatever position you want it yeah um the files app how much closer is this um to finder you, you use the mac and how how close this are we is, this is a lot closer so one of the things that i like about it is having the the quick action you know most of what you had to do in ios 15 was more or less with a share sheet which it's fine, but it has limitations. <laughs> yeah. And this is a lot better. Being able to change the file extensions seems like something that's really silly. Yeah. And I don't see myself doing it very often, but having the capability of doing it is nice. And when you do that, it also will change the type of app that you may use as, a, as the uh, default app for opening it, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a, 
a PNG, you're going to use preview if you're using, you know, uh, you change it to a PDF or something like that. Not that you would, but if you did, it would try to open it with a different app. Yeah. Uh, sometimes right now in the, in the files app on iOS 15, if you try to open something, it'll get confused and say, which of these apps would you like to use? And it'll give you, it'll fill up your entire screen and none of them may actually be the app that you would actually want to use with your uh with the app that you're opening so it's it's nice like that being able to rename things uh you know being able to see the size of the folder being able to to get navigation buttons to go back and forth pretty nice but the quick actions of doing renames and things like that it's 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 not quite the finder on the mac but Mm -hmm. it's probably 50 60 percent closer than it used to be which is is really nice and it's making it feel more like a, a traditional computer paradigm but it's still yeah. not the finder nor do i really want it to be i think what we have right now i'm sure there'll be something that you know in further playing with it i'm going to dislike but i'm one of the people that probably didn't like all of the some of the infinite customization that you can do inside of the the finder just because I want something that's simple. I want, I don't, I get bogged down in creating a lot of cruft inside of the finder, you know, organizing files in this way and that way. And I, I guess that's possible now inside of the, the files app on iOS 16, but I sort of don't want it to be that way because mm-hmm. I like the sort of the simpler interface, but yeah, I'm, I'm really sort of digging it. And also the fact that we're going to be able to, um, customize the navigation, give ourselves our own buttons. Now, I don't know necessarily if that's just going to be in apps like um, the iWork suite or whatever, but it seems as if, you know, being able to customize apps and being able to to get the the toolbars that you want is going to be a a pretty sweet feature too. Yeah, I think that'll be in third-party apps as well. It's a new API that they'll be taking advantage of. Long before there was, long before it was called iOS, you used to be able to do this in iPhone OS. Like, oh way, yes, way, the uh, music app back. was great. You yeah. had like 20 yeah, you or 30 different options. Yeah. Yep. So it's nice to have that finally come back after, I don't know, yeah. 10, 11 years. What are your hopes for DriverKit? Well, I'm really hoping that we get something that makes it a little more comparable to the Mac. Uh, one of the things that has been really frustrating for me as a podcaster, you know, here's my dirty little secret. I don't really like Macs all that much. I don't really want to use a Mac all that much. I want to use an iPad. But being able to to take uh, multiple inputs, multiple audio sources, and combine them natively in iPad OS without having to use a third-party thing like a mixer or something like that has really been sort of beyond the purview of what iPadOS could do. Now, there yeah. is... Yeah, and I'm it, curious, because uh, the driver kit seems to me to be a hardware driver that makes it talk to an app. That seems to be, I think, what we're getting. So I think we're going to be able to get, like, scanners and printers over USB. Um, well, the question is, once we get those those external devices, will we, be, will we be able to send them to multiple apps or just a single app? Yeah, that's the thing, right? I I'm, I don't know the full answer yet. <laughs> see, I would love to see audio hijack on the iPad. That would be, that's like the holy grail for me, being able to, so like when we're recording this podcast right now, because I'm using a Mac and because I'm using audio hijack, I can, you know, send the microphone and uh, output to a single file. I can send it to another file where it's yeah. a combined version of us both talking. I can send but, it to my... Yeah. I'm not sure if we'll get that with DriverKit. I don't think it extends to that kind of level of what it's doing because I think that's more software than hardware. That would really bum me out. But yeah. you know, even if we even if we just get uh, hardware layer devices, being able to do things like if I want to hook a burner into an iPad and be able to rip a disc, I would like to be able to do that. Anything How cool to be that, able to get an MKV off a of Blu-ray on an iPad? That would well, it's it's hard enough to do on a Mac even today. So my my expectations <laughs> yeah, are very yeah. low. Yeah, yeah. Like, would Apple let? make mkv into the app store 
<laughs> well, you know, there's no reason that they shouldn't. But then again, I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't allow compilation apps. You know, you should have, you know, the things that we have now where you have Python and other sort of things that sort of get around the, the yeah. limitation of being able to, to run compiled code. I mean, if we're if we have a true wish list, I want to be able to do virtual machines. I would love to be able to to fire up uh, parallels or yeah. you know something like that to to have virtual machines on the on the iPad. But even if we're just limited to hardware, I think that's fine. I think the third party hardware support has been a little bit janky in yeah. iPad OS in the past. It'd be cool to have uh, like whatever. HDMI capture from Elgato or something like that. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because where is that? I have it sitting around here somewhere. Um, I do have one of those uh, Elgato. Uh, capture cards yeah. that are that are done over HDMI, the uh, HD60s. I had planned on doing some some game streaming through uh, through it as well. Being able to use that on an iPad would be just you know great. Yeah, it's less like mission with PS5 and you know Xbox doing the game capture on device these days. It's 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 less needed, but very much something I think creators would love to see because you could be playing games and capturing it and. Doing all this stuff on the iPad, making videos that you upload to YouTube right there, and I think it'd be nice. Or if you if you do something that doesn't really support that very well, like a Switch, yeah, a Nintendo Switch would be a great thing to be able to stream through and uh, play things on that, and and be able to, totally. to capture it or stream it as well. Yep. So I'm I'm really hoping that we at least get those sorts of things. I know when I've tried or, to do external microphone, or you could even plug an iPhone over HDMI into your iPad and do some screen capture that way. That would be that would also be a great way to do it, and of course with you know, Mac OS and iOS coming in the fall with uh, 13 and 16, respectively, being able to use the iPad as a camera, why not be able to use it, as you say, as a as sort of a streaming device and uh, be able to do it the same way? That would be... I would love continuity camera for iPad. Like, that'd be great. I really want that as well. I want to be able to use the, well, <laughs> be able to use the studio display camera, if I choose, Yes. on the uh, on the iPad, you know, use that on the uh, the studio display monitor as well. So I'm, I'm hoping we get that. And, and third support- parties having just... Let me hook up a Nikon camera to an iPad and have that as a camera. Yeah, I mean, we, we really need something where it's going to be sort of a, a first-class citizen on the iPad. Because, again, even when I do external microphones through USB-C on the, on the iPad, sometimes it's hit or miss if it's going to use that or it's going to try to use the internal microphone. I've had it, you know, it's not always, it's not always as dead simple as you would think it would be, particularly for an Apple device. Yeah. What's your experience been with the first beta so far? It's been very, very good. Uh, you know, the, the most frustrating thing with betas is that one might be absolutely great. You get your Wait for up, beta, beta two. comes out. Yeah, you get beta two, and then everything just goes to the toilet or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's things- kind of like with betas, like, do you rush and install it right away, or do you just, like, wait for Trinidad to say, and, like, I'll skip this one. I'll be back in two weeks. It's It's been my experience. You never know how it's going to go, even off other people's experiences. Yeah, some people have different really experiences on the same beta, yeah. I know with this one, I've had better battery life on the iOS 16 beta than I've had on iOS 15 and regular use. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. One of the things that I do is I'll leave it in the Magic Keyboard most of the time. Yeah. And let, let's say that I come home at 10 in the morning and it's completely at 100%. I put it down. Let's say I don't pick it up again until I go to bed at about 11 and I decide I'm going to read on it. Mm-hmm. By just sitting there doing nothing all day, I lose about 10% of the battery. It's not un- it's not unusual for that to happen. Yeah. And, it's per- and it's really not unusual if it's in the Magic Keyboard. Now, if I detach it from the Magic Keyboard, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to, right. to drain quite as fast. The other day, I came home at 10 in the morning. It was 100% full. I didn't pick it up until 11 o'clock that night, and it was 98% full, and it was in the keyboard all day. And I was just like, what is going on here? This is not... I wonder if they did is- fix the thing where the Magic Keyboard is draining iPads faster than it should. 
I wonder if that's the thing they tweaked. Even if they didn't do that, normally if it was just sitting out by 10%. itself, I would be I would be at least five to ten percent somewhere in there on a good day. I'm sure and that's the original keynote. Steve Jobs had like standby time for a month or something. I forget the 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 time frame he gave us. If you remember in the original iPads, the very first iPads, I could go days without recharging the iPad. It was it was great and then after about like the second or third one that was no longer the case for me yeah, the original certainly... ipad i think i did 20 hours of video playback on like a road trip and it was good the whole time it's yeah crazy. and and this was was with cellular on the entire time too that it was only two percent by the end of the day it was like this is either this is a glitch and it's reporting it wrong or this doesn't seem possible to me but i certainly won't complain yeah uh my iphone 12 mini is a different situation where that thing is, oh yeah uh, i'm using that magsafe battery adapter or magsafe battery thing and that that thing is not keeping up that fast that well no it, it it will not keep up that fast at all but I've, I've been very impressed. I haven't run into a lot of bugs uh, in this first beta. I noticed that, uh, you know, I, I mentioned dialysis. I have to, to do that. And I usually connect, even though I have great uh, cell signal. Oftentimes, I'll still connect over their Wi-Fi because why not? It's, it's usually pretty snappy. And I've noticed because you have to authenticate with it, it will not prompt me to authenticate with the Wi-Fi. So I can't use Wi-Fi that has any sort of authentication. With okay. It, so that that is, yeah, is, you mentioned that on Twitter. That That is a bug you've experienced, yeah. And that, you know, that's a minor thing for me since I have the unlimited 5G or whatever. I'll just sit there and do that. And I still yeah. get decent speeds anyway. It's not, a, it's not a huge deal. But it was sort of like, oh, huh, that's a surprise. I noticed I went into Amazon to order some medical supplies and I was trying to use the 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 trackpad on the magic keyboard and every time I would hover over orders the the cursor would shoot to the top of the screen and any of the bottom navigation buttons in Amazon were doing that I'm like this is really weird so I detached it I put it back finally I just reach out and use my finger on the screen and and all was fixed but yeah. I thought that was like wow that's that's sort of a weird glitch you wouldn't have expected but it could be the Amazon app it might not be the uh you know that, that's the danger of using betas but honestly it's for a beta it has been very impressive how good that it is of course, that could all change, you know, the moment beta 2 is released or beta 3, because again, you'll see, used to, that was my, my philosophy, right? I wouldn't install beta 1, I'd wait till at least beta 2, yeah. see what people were saying, I'd put it on there, okay, this is this is okay, then beta 3 would come out, you would expect it to get more stable, but then it would just become way worse. So, yeah. something I'm excited is, uh, one of the interviews, I think it was Craig mentioned, you know, you'll see changes to stage manager and, you know, beta 2 or 3, there's stuff we've we've been working on that just wasn't ready and so i think we're going to see some cool stage manager enhancements over the course of this beta cycle yeah it's it's hard to judge it in its current state but even if you do i haven't been disappointed with what i've no. seen I've been, like this is very impressive it's so rough around it's the edges to... but it's very impressive and enables you to do all new things on ipad i usually have low expectations for beta ones but this has been really really good and it's like going into it uh, the rumors were this thing's gonna be rough <laughs> Like, yeah, the, there was yeah. a there was talk that the first beta may not even be ready for WWDC, but when this was, you know, the, that was the scuttlebutt prior yeah. to, to last week. But they really, again, whenever something's developed in Cupertino, it's different when it's it's hardware because there's so many third parties right. that they can't control. But they can keep a pretty tight lid on the stuff that's going on in Cupertino, and I've been I've been really happy with this. Like I can't wait for beta two to come out. Yeah, uh, it's been so good that I actually have considered putting it on my phone. But since I depend on that. 
I'm, I'm a little more hesitant to, I mean, uh, to try just it. just do it. Uh, just travel with an external <laughs> battery if you need to. That's, well, uh, you know, I do. I do travel with a 10,000, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> I've gone totally blank. The anchor one. It's yeah, a, sure. One of those huge uh, power bricks. So I always have one of those on me. Yep. So I can charge the iPad. I can charge my phone. You're and all my, set that. That's, that's all you need. Yep. I'm just afraid calls won't yeah. work or something like that. Because you see sure. those things pipe up every once in a while of, oh, for whatever you've, reason, you've got this your isn't watch, working. Right? It's like, oh, that's, that's a pretty big one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not putting a beta on that one. No. So, so uh, something I've noticed is I can't figure out a way. So in split screen apps and full screen apps, you can tap top of the window and it'll scroll you all the way top to the Twitter timeline or whatever text thing mm-hmm. you're in. I don't think that's in the Windows uh, in Stage Manager. I don't think there's a way if there's yeah. a huge long scrolling list to get back to the top. I don't think so yet, but that's one of those things that I would expect to see fixed, you know, pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, one thing that uh, I discovered as I was sending you a FaceTime link is if you type in any text box in iOS 16, I think this is new. I don't remember seeing this before, but I t- typed, I'll send you a FaceTime link. And then the quick suggestion bar right above it was FaceTime invitation with a link icon. And if you click that, it'll generate a brand new FaceTime invitation link and pop that right in there without you going to FaceTime. I thought that was super nice. That is honestly pretty cool. I got to be honest, this is the first time that I've actually used the FaceTime link because most of the people that I chat with, my, my FaceTimes are spontaneous. So I don't normally uh, worry about it because I'm not using it like we're going to meet at this time or something yeah. like that. But I don't see why I couldn't at this point because that that was really neat. I, you sent me a screenshot of that. It's like I can't believe that it does that. But again, that's that's one of those things that you would expect to work sort of like in the calendar app. If you say, you know, now or something, I want to do this on this date. And, it you know, it figures out, hey, do you mean you want to create an invite for this date or or one of those. So I'm glad to see it works like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been it's been a great week. I can't believe it's been a week already with this OS and it's it's solid. Uh I'm really, beta. I'm really waiting for beta two. It's like where is it? Bring it on. It's I, what, I can't a wait two, to uh, two or three week cycle the... for betas. Yeah, it's usually well, it could be longer than that, depending on because normally the way things work is that we usually get four or five over the course of the summer before the, the final one releases with the new iPhone. We so, had eight, I thought, last year. Like, yeah, it was, was a lot. it was a there was a lot last year compared to what it normally was. It was like at least six or seven or something. It's like, oh, this is this is not usual. This is not normal. Yeah. But you know, I really am sort of excited about the collaboration link. I don't know how often and I'm going to use that. And that's one of the things. Yeah, we, I was we sure like on. your pod, your podcast that you do. Is that something you think you'll use for that? Well, it depends on which apps they uh, they share for that. So, I mean, we already use I mean, to some extent, we already use an, an Apple based thing. for yeah. All of our sharing yeah, like so notes. We, how different will this be versus notes? I think you'll see more more live interactions and stuff. Maybe I'm not quite sure how much more advanced it is than the current notes implementation. I'm going to have to get my buddies together that are running the beta just to see what this is like, because, you know, I don't think the, it's in there the yet. Use... I can't find the sharing of Safari tabs, for instance. I'm not sure that stuff's in beta. One. Oh, OK, that that was also something too it's like weird that's weird sharing the how do you collaborate with safari that tabs? could be but interesting guess... in a podcast you could see where people are looking like if, if your show notes are instead a safari tab group and as you go through it you close out the tab and you can see what tab people are in and that could work for you, a news-based show, I think. Or if you're referencing something that, uh, you know, maybe you didn't put a link in the show notes, you you had something you wanted to share with the group, you could do that and say, hey, here's the Safari tab for what I'm, I'm, I'm looking at And I also love right uh, shortcuts. You can set up shortcuts to create Safari tab groups now, which is just, that's great. So, like, say you destructively use Safari, you can have, like, a focus mode. When you turn on X focus mode, your work focus mode, you open up, 
whatever your CRM and all your different work tabs. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you can close that stuff out if you want to. That could be kind of cool. Yeah, I need to play more with the shortcuts in uh, an iPad OS 16. I will say that one unforeseen thing, and I don't know if this is related or not, but ever since I've put iPad OS 16 on my primary iPad, Siri in general has not been working for me the way that it normally does. Hmm. I have a number of, of automations that I use. Uh, it shouldn't have anything to do with anything. It shouldn't be, and it may not, but all of a sudden it couldn't remember the associations on a separate device on my phone. You know, I'm still on 15. Yeah. It couldn't remember when I say, call my mom, who my mom was or who my oh, wife is or who, and uh, my automations like with the HomePod. Now it could just be the HomePod is sometimes janky anyway, but you know, I'll tell it to, to turn on something in this one room. It's like, you don't have a room called whatever. <laughs> and then I pick up my phone and do it manually and it works. Yeah. So it, it could all be coincidence. You know, I look for, for the... Your home you know, hub correlation is not your iPad, coincidentally, is it? But sometimes even point releases on iOS will, will jack those things up to yeah. an incredible degree. So it could just be a coincidence. But it's like, this is really weird that it's gotten a way more unreliable in the last week than it did <laughs> than it did prior. So Yeah. Oh, another quick thing I want to mention is one of my setups is upstairs at the Mac setup, and um, she'll have her Mac, you know, uh, plugged into the Apple adapter, which has USB and HDMI and stuff, and it has like a Bluetooth dongle for the keyboard and mouse, and just plug that in. Works with the iPad, um, hmm. which is very nice. And then you know some things you might need a trackpad for, and I'll just reach over to the iPad Magic Keyboard, which is sitting there, and you can do the trackpad gestures there and hop back to the mouse, and that's. It's it's nice being able to just like the flexibility of plug into whatever Mac setup your your you you know your partner is at and kind of have uh, the ability to just work in Mac setups now over USB C or Thunderbolt you know and that I mean that really is cool and that's really part of the the value of the ecosystem is being able to have all of these things you know it's in in recent years the it just works seems to have been less and less but there are some areas where it still really shines I mean. Uh, you know, continuity of getting a text message on my watch, I glance down at it. And then on my Mac or iPad, I see the Apple watch icon in the dock and being able to click it and, and bring those things forth. That's just another example of how some of that actual interconnectivity, you know, does actually still work. And it is, it does make working in that ecosystem a lot easier than having some sort of convoluted setup. Like I don't understand people who have like an iPad and uh, an Android phone or a Windows <laughs> right. desktop or whatever. Like you can do it, but why would you when yeah. you have access to something so much better that it's just seamless? You don't even have to think about it in half these cases to make it work. It just does. Yeah. Uh, the back of the studio display, you get some some ports back there. You do. As a matter of fact, you know, if you'll excuse me for a moment, I will just take my external camera off here. Oops. And you can see. So you get you get uh, three external USB C ports, uh, and then your output to the iPad there. And then does that also have a headphone jack? I forget. I believe that it does, but I never use it because I'm a I'm a Bluetooth guy. Huh. Yeah, I believe it does. Is it the other side? Uh, hmm. I was almost sure that it actually had that, but again, yeah. I never use it. I'm AirPods or AirPods Max all the way. In fact, normally, you know, I'm using my AirPods while I record this. I would have the Max on, but they uh, they were upstairs, and I was too yeah. lazy to go get it. But yeah, that's kind of nice. Like with the studio display, I mean, most people would probably not need a Thunderbolt dock in that case. That that is your Thunderbolt dock. It has all. Well, you'd be surprised how quickly you run out of ports, even with even with the the ones on the back of there. Yeah, and I mean, I guess yeah, it doesn't have Ethernet, so you need an adapter for that if you want to use Ethernet. Um, the docks are still nice for 
all the extra ports and you have USB A natively on docks a lot of the times and stuff like that. Yeah, but the, one of the things that really I find frustrating that I'm going to have to go through and do, I do have a number of adapters that I bought off of Amazon that convert USB A to USB C. So I could, I know that sounds like a weird thing to do, uh-huh. but I have I have a lot more USB C ports now than I do USB A. Absolutely, so like, yeah. I I'm trying to use all USB C at this point. I would love to get off that completely because my microphone is USB-C on one end and USB-A on the other. My stream deck, USB-A. So if there's ever a situation where I can I can change out the cord for a device and make it USB-C on both ends, I absolutely do it every single time. No, oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, swap out cables to do like mini USB to USB-C. So it, it, the, it'll, no adapters needed, just like a, a cable that has the adapter built in to go to USB-C. And then something I need it at some point fix is i have an anchor hub plugged into my thunderbolt hub because the anchor hub has hdmi as an output so i have a hub plugged into a hub because my thunderbolt hub doesn't have hdmi out it's just all usbcs back there plus yeah i think mine is is the same way i think mine is uh is just usbc only you only have one thunderbolt port on the uh on the studio display, and that, you, that that's for the, the output to was, the iPad, right? Yeah, or the uh, yeah. So, so it's all USB C, so it doesn't support Thunderbolt devices, which a hub would. No, no, it the the one Thunderbolt cable does. So there is one Thunderbolt port; the rest are just USB. Oh, so you have two. So you have two USB C and one Thunderbolt. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And then the and it's then the, thun- and it's Thunderbolt four. Is, is yeah, well. okay. It's yeah, it's interesting because yeah, Thunderbolt's handy, I guess, for external hard drives mainly, and then. Um, Things are just more reliable over Thunderbolt connection to the device itself, I've found. Like, yes. it's, it's great having the iPad plugged into a Thunderbolt hub because that means even the USB-C and SD cards are just that much more reliable and quick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now that I've, I've gone down that path, I don't want to go back. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've got an SD is, card is really I use nice. all the time on my hub, and that's super fast. And, yeah, so if I, did, if I win eventually, many years from now, maybe, <laughs> get that studio <laughs> display, I'll, I'll probably still use the sub for stuff. Oh, again, I still have mine uh, plugged in back there for the for the same purpose, just for the additional USB-C ports and being able to switch things between the iPad and the Mac. You know, yeah, any peripheral that I, well, not really the only peripherals so, I have are yeah, hard drives. I but. guess the, so you have the hub. So you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so your iPad is plugged into, <laughs> trying to get this, if I did get this uh, monitor, uh, the hub would be plugged into... Would the display be plugged into the hub and the hub plugged into the iPad? or You can do it that way. Yeah. Um, oftentimes when I'm doing this, if I don't need the external devices, I usually won't go to the trouble of hooking in the hub. Most of the time, I just go from the Thunderbolt on the back of the studio display directly into the iPad Pro. But since they both support Thunderbolt 4, I can take the monitor, go directly into the, uh, the Thunderbolt hub, and then yeah. iPad around it. Okay, yeah. I just get worried introducing the hub if I don't have to use the hub. You right, know what yeah. I mean? It's, uh... Yeah, it's it is much simpler just having the hub and the monitor plugged into it, and just that's the only thing everything's going through. Yeah, but yeah, it can become convoluted really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I also wonder if we'll get Display Link drivers for iPad with DriverKit. That's going to be an option. You know, on the Mac, you have these things that make M1 Max able to work with two monitors in a kind of weird way i don't know that'll happen for ipad now i would i wonder if that would be like the next ipad pro that comes out it still feels really weird that we've had this ipad for a year and it's only now it's actually starting to live up to its potential it's still the the flagship ipod yeah the m1 stuff is 
Yeah. I'm very glad now, in retrospect, I sold my H12Z iPad Pro like less than a year after I got it for a good price and did that upgrade. I, I feel much less silly now about that. <laughs> yeah, because this has a, a much longer life left in it. I mean, I'm sure at some point later this year, early 2023, we'll get the M2 iPads. Yeah, what do you think? Like, oh, really so it. we don't know about the iPad itself, but M2, you know, we're, we're still stuck with the single monitor output on an M2 iPad or Mac, M2 so presumably Macs, yeah. the iPad as well, so you won't get dual displays out of that. I'm not so sure the chip is going to be that exciting for iPad. I mean, it'll be faster, but I think 24 the, the gigs of RAM is, should be nice, but yeah. I mean, that would be nice, but until you... It'll be the same sort of situation that sort of iOS 15 was for the iPad Pro. What's using 24 which, gigs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't have anything that's using it, do you really need it? I mean, and that's coming from a guy who loves to upgrade absolutely everything. Yeah. Uh, it would be a hard sell for me to go back and, and drop 3K on an iPad Pro M2 just for the potential of it to do something in the future when I'm not even taxing the M1 uh, currently. Now, the, the single display output is still sort of a bummer. I kind of figured they would they would change that. But it really depends on what they end up doing with the enterprise-class software on the current-gen M1 iPad. You know, Are, are we going to hit limitations that are going to make this where we absolutely need that extra computing power? Because even from a Mac standpoint, I think the the biggest selling point for an M2, if you're going to get like the MacBook Air or the MacBook Pro, would be for video encoding or video playback, which I think the 8K video playback on the on the the M2 is supposed to be impressive. You could have those, those dual streams. Right. It has the kind of the chips... Yeah, it's got yeah. native decoding for like ProRes and stuff. Which on the iPad Pro, I don't really see that being a thing until we get something like. Uh, I know Adobe is working on Premiere for the for the iPad, so maybe you well, know, I think if you're doing LumaFusion can edit that stuff. I'm pretty sure, and you can capture ProRes on an iPhone. Um, the newer ones. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then getting all of that over there is still sort of a pain in you the You got to it airdrop it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to airdrop because you don't have USB-C. You don't have Thunderbolt on an iPhone yet. It's funny. Um, people will say lighting is such a slow connector. that Apple could make it a faster connector because they, on the second generation iPad Pros with lightning, it was USB 3 spec, not 2. So they can do it. I don't know why the iPhone can't. but Yeah, I, I don't know why they haven't just fixed that. That <laughs> seems like a, a silly thing. I, I mean, I guess at some point we're going to see USB-C on the iPhone, and hopefully that goes away. But having to even rely on AirDrop. Now, AirDrop's pretty good. I mean, it's it's But for a 10 gigabyte file, it'll take some time. <laughs> yeah, it's still going to take some time, but... I really want to see that because, again, if we're, we're sticking to sort of an iOS-centric or iPadOS-centric um, workflow for most of the stuff that we do, I love being able to shoot such high-quality video on the iPhone, but getting it off of there is just dog slow. Uh, it's It becomes a lot more of an annoying thing yeah. to have to, you know airdrop it and then ship it over. I mean, at this point, it would probably be, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I don't want to use airdrop for something like that. I really want the the ability to uh, to be able to, you know, if we, they did continuity cam and made the camera for the, the iPhone, uh, you know, work on iPad as well. I mean, I don't know that. I'm sure right now it's just Mac only, but, you know, if they could do something like that where it's iPad as OS only, it might not be such a bad thing, right? I mean, yeah. but you'd still have that limitation where you'd have to either do it wirelessly or do it over uh, lightning to, uh, to an iPad. So right. I guess we're kind of stuck. There's no there's no good solution around this until I guess they upgrade the hardware on future generation iPhones. Yeah. Well, um anything else to to mention about iPad OS 16 
uh, they'd like to no, before we wrap it up. No, I, I think we've we've pretty much covered everything. I'm I'm dying to get further betas. I want to see how this is going to go. Yes, uh, yes. I am really disappointed that the lock screen customizations did not come to the iPad like they are on the iPhone. That's really disappointing. It me, is, yeah, uh, because I really wanted those types of capabilities. Again, I haven't not even played around with device. it. If I put a picture on the home screen, does it do the the fancy thing? It does do that. So yes, I haven't played around with that. And you. And you don't even have to take something in portrait mode. You can take something you grab off the internet or just a standard photo. Okay. Yeah, because the settings app doesn't like show you photos like it does on the iPhone. It kind of like doesn't point you in that direction. So you can do it. You just need to kind of seek it out. No, wait a minute. On the iPad? No, I don't think the iPad okay. does it. That's Sorry. what I was asking. Sorry. Yep. My bad. Yep. My bad. Okay. I got confused as to what you were asking. No, yeah, yeah. Um, no they, they really threw it in as an afterthought. I mean, aside from the new font for the lock screen, I don't think we got any of the improvements on yeah. iPadOS, which is a complete bummer. Though one of the iPad centric features moving to iOS is at least, you know, we're going to be able to unlock our phones in, uh, in uh, landscape mode yeah. instead of portrait mode, which that's one of the best features on the iPad that we've had forever. Yeah. You know, and that's even that's a relatively recent thing, right? 2018. I think on, the, on the, okay, 2018. All right. Yeah, something I just want to mention too, it kind of feels like external display support, it feels like we have two computers in one. Currently with Stage Manager, it kind of feels like they're two separate instances. Like you have your stages, your iPad screen, you have your stages for your, ma- your, <laughs> for your external screen. You almost said it. Yes. And uh, you have the same dock, but you know your external doesn't have any app icons or widgets. I'd love if you could have a set up there that's kind of unique for your external. Like, it, Yeah, it kind of, it's interesting because it feels... It, and and you can drag windows across, but it's kind of difficult uh, currently. Hopefully that improves. Yeah, it's, days, it's not a great experience, but I bet you that's going to be better. Be fixed in the beta. Yeah, I think it'll be better uh, for sure. At this at this point, again, what I want to see is I want to see the iPad make the Mac sort of obsolete. I want to see it yes be something <laughs> like why would I buy that when I can do this? Having two computers in one, one that functions effectively as a desktop. You got virtual memory, so you have the swapping. You have the ability to to uh, to access uh, really large files and have applications that can access and manipulate those really large files without a problem. You know, you can have something that you can draw on at the same time that you can, uh, you know, be, be watching something or typing something on your external display. It's making a much more compelling case for the iPad. It really used to bug me. You know, you'd see the commercials of what's a computer, you know, and they would do the, the iPad pro uh, commercials Yeah, and you'd have all these people that would sort of, you know, goof on it and say, no, no, it's, it's still just a glorified iPhone. It's just a really big iPhone. Well, you're not going to be able to say that anymore. And that to me is the most exciting thing. When I travel, I don't want to take a full blown Mac. I want to be able to take something that's, you know, uh, cellular Mm -hmm. that, you know, again, you don't have that option on a Mac right now, which is sort of frustrating, but Something that I can actually do cell, cellular or Wi-Fi if I want to. Something that I can use as a consumption device or a creation device or a work device. Yeah. Now, you know, I've been doing it as a work device before and I had no problems with it. But again, my use case is kind of unusual compared to a lot of people. But really the the barrier between, you know, this being a quote unquote real computer and a mobile only device has really been blurred. And I can't be more excited for this. Like if this is what we're getting in iOS 16, I can't imagine what 17 is going to bring yes. because most of the complaints that we've had with the iPad look like they're being solved. All of the unfinished outstanding business is being addressed finally. Yeah. I'd love to um if I'd love to have someone that is big in the Swift playgrounds that has iPad OS 16 share that experience of testing your like writing your code on the external monitor while testing the actual app 
on the iPad screen. That must be a cool experience, I would think. Because before you had to leave Swift Playgrounds, test your app, go back to Swift Playgrounds. Now I think you can just do that all in a nice setup. I wouldn't I wouldn't see why not, yeah. right? I mean, and this also brings us closer to getting Xcode on the iPad at some point. Yeah. Now that we have virtual memory and, and you know, we can run something that has a huge size. Of course, they would have to be okay with you doing something other than just sort of interpreted language. You know, actual code compilation right. would, would be something they have to get past. But I have a feeling those those walls are coming down pretty quickly. I mean, you can't argue that we don't have the memory anymore. You can't argue that we don't have the processor anymore. There's really nothing stopping them from doing it other than the lim- artificial limitation they've already imposed. Yeah. So, I just, I can't wait for this. This is the most exciting device to me. And again, whenever I have friends that are all about the Mac, I just, I don't know, I don't get it, right? You have this device that does infinitely more and somehow still a little bit less than, than a Mac, but it's a much more interesting device to be able to to do these things. And uh, more so than, I can't draw on a Mac. I can't, right. you know, use cellular on a Mac. I can't, um, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's a better consumption device and it's working its way to being a better creation device. And that, that leaves me very, very excited for what this holds in store. Yeah. And something I, I don't think we've mentioned using the iPad in tablet mode now with stage manager, having two apps horizontally is great. Like the apps feel nice and big on 12.9. I'm not sure on the 11, but 12.9 you're holding it vertically. You have two apps, one on top of another one, taking the top half, one taking the bottom half. That is such a great experience um, doing that. Like it's wonderful. I I couldn't agree more. And you know, we we mentioned the potential for a, a 14 inch iPad that's supposed to be rumored. There was a rumor that I saw today. I think it was on Mac Rumors that said that such an iPad is not rumored to have uh, the ProMotion or the XDR screen or the XDR. So which we know that they would can probably do be both a- of those because the 14 inch MacBook Pro does both of those. Mm-hmm. So it's curious. So like, it, is that like is that an iPad Air 14 inch? That is a possibility. I can't imagine them having something that's a pro laptop. I mean, a pro laptop, a pro iPad. Uh, you know, we have it on the 12.9. You go even larger, you're going to be asking people to spend presumably more than what they would on the 12.9. Well, yeah, if it's an Air, it could be priced the same as a 12.9 inch Pro, perhaps. Yes, yes. It'd be interesting because we have though, two sizes though, of that pros. Would be weird too. And it'd be weird. It'll be weird, though, if <laughs> at the beginning, at least, when we only have, when the Pro is smaller than the Air, which. I mean, and then yeah, and then maybe we get a twelve point nine inch pro in like sixteen or some some different size. For the, I don't know what the, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm really hoping that for any of the larger iPads, they do like that. They keep them with the pro designation and the pro features that we've we've come to expect. Yeah. I think having a fourteen inch iPad. And calling it an air would be sort of a weird thing just because your typical iPad consumer, I don't know, I don't see them wanting to hold something that large in their hand. Well, I mean, yeah, there's the air, is the air for consumers or it, it, I mean, it, I think the air could be dubbed a laptop replacement for many. I mean, it can, but if you look at the way the air is today, the largest one that you get is what 10, I mean, the only one it's you like get 11 is like 10. inches, 10.9. Yeah, yeah. So so, which is really a sweet spot. That used to be my favorite iPad size back when I had the 2017 iPad Pro. The 10.5-inch iPad Pro is phenomenal. That's a great size. And that's why I'm kind of excited about getting this this fifth-generation Air, just because it'll be nice. A lot of times when I fly, I like having a smaller iPad when I'm on the plane. Yeah. You know, for seat backs and whatnot, and people jamming their, their seat right. back usually. I don't like I'm bending my, my iPad Pro. Yeah. So, I tend to think that, just my own personal opinion, is that they, they have the Air, keep the Air to something that's... It's more of a still comfortable in the hand to use and keep anything larger than that a pro designation. Because, again, I think if you're the average person and you want 
an air. The air has this this uh, this feeling of being light, of being its, its whole reason for existence is supposed to be as simple and lightweight as possible. And we all know that the 12.9 is kind of a hoss, right? You hold it. <laughs> that's a two handed device. If there ever was one. Yeah. And I mean, if you're using it as a laptop at that point, more often than you're using it as a tablet, then it just would make sense to go for, I think a MacBook air at that point. But for those of us, I have a feeling it'll be called studio or something like that. If yeah. they go 14 or something uh, bigger, I don't even think they're going to call it a pro, but if they I would love that, them to use the studio brand for iPad, I think that'd be great. I, I think they should. I mean, we got the, we got the Mac studio now it's, yep. it's the, the big daddy Mac. So we need that big daddy iPad too. You know, <laughs> bring in the, that's the one you should have the 24 gig, yeah, you know, you, RAM configuration huh. on. Well, do we ever get iPads with um, pro chips? Like we have M1 and M1 pro. Do we ever get a? Do we ever get you know, higher end chips? I don't think we're going to see that in the short term. I mean, certainly long term, it would make sense. All the to pro do it, systems but... have fans. Is that accurate to say? Anything that's not an M1 base has a fan. I think the pros. You well, know, you would have to have some sort of cooling on the pros, just because they're they're the dual architecture. Yeah, you'd have to have something. So you'd have. Yeah, set. I don't think they'd ever make an iPad with the fan. I think that's fair. Oh, well, you never know. You, you never know. <laughs> you never I mean, know. They yeah, figure, <clears throat> they may use that designation. And still not have it be what you know comparable to the to the Mac, or maybe by the time they get to like an M3 or something, they've got it figured out where they could do it where lower it's, power, uh, lower power would probably be the the driver. But again, you also wouldn't expect those such a designation. You wouldn't necessarily need that because currently on an iPad, you're not going to be running, you're not going to be doing a render or something that's going to be that computationally intense. I mean, you could you, you could have a two hour Fusion 4K edit that heats up your device you could you could but again getting a file that large or you could be running um resident evil village for a five hour gaming <laughs> session and, yeah you know the multi-hour gaming session would probably be a, a good a, a, i gotta say realistic i don't do much gaming on the ipad at, well i do a lot of gaming on the ipad screen through the, my ps5 but not not right. ipad native i don't do i am excited for no Man's sky because that seems like a great just zone out game that i don't really care if i'm on my playstation 4 yeah that could be yeah, fun I agreed think. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the same way. I use a, I use the screen because the screen's phenomenal, but I haven't used a lot of the games that are in the App Store, which is funny because as an Apple One subscriber, I get access to Apple Arcade, yeah. and I have a ton of games that are loaded on there. I just never find myself compelled to go and use those when I have an Xbox and a PS5. I guess yeah, yeah it's it's just not the it's just not the same. Yeah, I don't get my uh, PlayStation uh, trophies on <laughs> on my iPad. That's that's also a good point too. You don't get those achievement unlocked sort of things yep. if you're doing it on iOS. So nope. it's it's sort it's of no go. But the nope. but the screen can't be beat. So it's you definitely want to do the remote play on regardless yes. of the platform on both of them. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been an exciting summer to see how this all shakes out. Um, where can people find uh, your other podcast that you're up to? You can find us. My other podcast is called Infinite Loopback. You can find us at infiniteloopback.com. And we're available anywhere you get podcasts. Every single, <laughs> you know, from Stitcher, Google, Apple, Amazon, all of those things. We're available on all of those ser- those uh, services. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for your time tonight. It's been a lot of fun chatting and catching up again. I've loved it. And uh, thanks for having me, Tim. Well, that was my interview with Brian. My thanks to Brian for his time recording, and my thanks to you for your time tuning in. Make sure to check out the Infinite Loop App podcast for more from him, and my thanks to Agenda for sponsoring this episode. Go to www.agenda.com to learn more. Download Agenda today for free in the App Store to get started. And finally, you can get episodes early by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or supporting the Patreon at patreon.com slash iPadPros. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.